0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Lydia Choi, and I am one of the pastors here at Bethany North. Thank you for joining us. Um, what a celebration we had on Easter Sunday. Yes, yeah. We had a beautiful time of worship, celebrating a risen Christ. And my highlight was seeing all the smiles in the faces of our children as they were doing the Easter egg hunt and running in line for bouncy houses. And there were donuts, guys. The donuts were back. It was so yummy. <laughs> in the last few weeks here at Bethany North, we have been journeying through the gospel of Mark and learning what it means to follow the way of Christ. And today we will, con- we will be concluding our series on the gospel of Mark. Um, before we get into our text today, um, please join me in prayer. And before we do that, I'm going to actually adjust this. Oh, that can, oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> okay, join me in prayer. Let us pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful Sunday. We have come, we have gathered to worship you. So we give you our worship with all of our hearts and minds and soul. And I pray, Lord, that you'll be with us as we hear your word, that the words that speak, that comes out of my mouth will be not of mine, but will be of yours. And I pray, Lord, that your word, that we will hear your word, and that your word will bring transformation in our lives. So I pray, Jesus, that you will speak to each one of us here today, and we lift and give this worship to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So last week, Pastor Scott shared about the empty tomb. The tomb is empty. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. So, now what? Now what? What are the disciples supposed to do? The disciples, three years prior to Jesus' death, Jesus appointed them appointed the 12, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. The disciples lived with Jesus, traveled with Jesus, and had deep conversations with Jesus and learned from Jesus. And this Jesus, whom they loved, whom they, came, whom they knew came as King of the Jew of the world was crucified, died a shameful death on the cross, and was buried. The disciples were mourning. In the Jewish traditions, um, the period of bereavement is divided into three parts: Ananut, Shiva, and Shaloshem. The disciples were in the stage of ananut, which means deep sorrow. And this deep sorrow begins at the moment of the person's death and lasts until their burial. So here are the disciples in ananut, deep sorrow. And Mary Magdalene comes to the disciples. After she has seen Jesus, Jesus has appeared to her. And I can only imagine her expression and the tone of her voice. I have seen Jesus. I have seen Jesus, she says. But the disciples did not believe. Mary's words seemed like nonsense. Then Jesus appeared to the two men on their way to Emmaus. After the men recognized that it was Jesus, they hurried and went to Jerusalem to tell the disciples, it is true, the Lord has risen. We have seen him. But the disciples, in their deep sorrow, refuses to believe. We might ask, why didn't the disciples believe the witnesses? It might be simple and easy for us to say that because we know the story. But the disciples were in the middle of everything that was happening in real time. And finally, Jesus appears to the disciples. Um, Today, I want to draw your attention to Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples. When we think of Thomas we immediately think, oh, yes, that doubting Thomas, the skeptic. It's in John 20 that Thomas gets his nickname. If you have your Bibles with you or you can look on our screen, I'm going to read John 20, verses 24 to 26, and it says this. Now John, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. A week later. It has been a week since Thomas heard that Jesus has appeared to the others. And I'm sure Thomas was sitting in agony. Disappointment. Thomas has given up everything to follow Jesus. Three years of his life, he followed Jesus. He witnessed miracles, healing, and powerful teachings. Thomas loved Jesus. And Thomas grieved mourned in deep sorrow for a week. And verses 26 to 29 follows. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus knew exactly what Thomas needed to hear. Peace, peace. It is only after Thomas saw the resurrection of Jesus that his deep sorrows came to an end. And something happened in Thomas. Church um, traditions tell us that Thomas preached in ancient Babylon near the Tigris and Euphrates rivers where Iraq is today. He traveled to Persia, a present-day Iran, and continued to win disciples to Christ. Then Thomas sailed south of Malabar on the west coast of India in 52 AD. Hundreds of years later, in 1498, when a Portuguese explorer named Vasco da Gama arrived in the west coast of India, the Malabar coast, the, those explorers found a church in India. They're like, a church in India? And the church was called the Church of St. Thomas. The natives claimed that the church had been founded by one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas Didymus. The Thomas we just read about, the doubter. Natives said when Thomas first arrived, he preached. And then he baptized. Baptized. Including the high caste Brahmins, friends, Vasco da Gama learns over a millennium and a half later that Thomas's teachings of Jesus still remained. That's that's many years. Thomas then eventually crosses over to the east coast of India and continues his work. But soon he faces opposition from the Brahmins. And in the end, the Brahmins stoned Thomas to death. And Thomas died a martyr's death. Thomas, who fervently proclaimed his unbelief, saying, unless I see, I will not believe. This Thomas carried the Christian message of love and forgiveness to the ends of the earth. Perhaps Thomas is even maybe the only disciple of Jesus that went outside of the Roman Empire to spread the gospel. This doubting Thomas as we know him today died a martyr's death in the name of Jesus. But something must have happened in this doubter's mind. How does a doubter become so devout that he would travel to the ends of the world to share the gospel? And this is almost 2,000 years ago. There were no cars or even airplanes, right? How does a doubter become devout? Stick around, don't quit don't quit after jesus's death thomas didn't leave his friends his community thomas could have said i've had enough and went on his way even though thomas chose not to believe he didn't leave he stuck around he didn't quit on jesus Thomas was so heartbroken by the death of Jesus. So I wonder if Thomas was thinking to himself, I will not believe yet. And he was waiting for Jesus to appear. I wonder if that's what Thomas was doing. There was a time in my life when I wanted to call it quits. This is almost 10 years ago when I almost quit as a pastor for good few several incidents happened that made me just want to say okay God I am done serving the church I'm just done my husband David and I were serving a few thousand member Korean church and David was the lead pastor of the English speaking congregation and I was serving as a children's pastor And doing all the extra work that comes from being a pastor's wife at a traditional church had the women's group, marriage ministry, newcomers, dinners, small groups, many pastoral care visits and dinner after dinner, after dinner, after dinner, a lot of cooking, you guys, I'm a pretty good cook now (laughs) before I got married. All I knew how to make was fried rice, but now you, you name it, I can make it and the English congregation, it began to grow. And it, got, it started to getting recognized in the community. And then one day, the senior pastor called me into his office. And he said, Lydia, we need you to step down as a pastor and be a pastor's wife. Because David's ministry is thriving, and he needs you to be a pastor's wife. And in that office, my heart just shattered into pieces. And I responded by saying, but I'm also called to be a pastor. But I'm also called. A few years later, David and I served at a church plant in downtown L.A. And let me tell you, that was one of the most difficult things that we did together in ministry. It was so hard. David was going through a difficult time i was going through a difficult time i was like god i am so done at working at the church i feel so broken god you told me to come and walk on water i obeyed i obeyed but why does it feel like i'm sinking god i am sinking So I decided to find a new job. I was going to get a job that would make me a breadwinner for a family maybe. It wasn't going to be a job at a church. So I created a resume and I submitted to jobs that I thought that I could do. It was going to be all good as long as I didn't work at a church. Well, finding a job was not as easy as I thought. I got rejected left and right. So friends, let me tell you, those the youth kids, college students, it's good to get a degree in theology, but a master's in theology did not, was not going to help me get a job outside of ministry or outside of Christian context at all. So several months later, after many months of job searching, I finally got an email. A bank was going to hire me as a, as a teller. So I got a job as a teller. But this wasn't a regular bank. It was a Christian credit union. <laughs> so as a teller, I counted offering and deposited money for churches. <laughs> you guys can laugh. It's okay. Actually, it was actually it was hard, but I met a lot of good people lot of good people that was doing great things for Jesus. But after three months, I was kind of done with this job. I, I'm not even good with numbers. I am not the typical Asian who's very good at math. I am the unusual one that has to use Siri to do math. So I say, hey, Siri, oh my God, am I, respond to me. <laughs> What's two plus two? Yes, that's what I do. Siri is my friend who teaches me math. Well, David and I, I I agreed that I wouldn't quit this new job without finding another job to replace it. So I worked as a teller for one whole year. And I ha- I'm happy to report that they promoted me as a senior teller. But I was so discontent. I was discontent because there was a tug, tug of knowing that God had called me to do. God had called me to serve to church. It was very clear he called me to ministry. He called me to ministry when I was in ninth grade. It was my dream to be a pastor as a young girl. But here I am, behind a computer, counting offering. But God, I am sinking. I am sinking. I don't know what to do anymore. I am desperate for you. God, I am so desperate for you. I cried, not just for a day. I cried many days, many weeks, for years. For years. This happened not just for a few months, guys. It continued on for many years. I cried out, I am thanking God. I am desperate. I'm desperate for you. A pastor who was praying for me gave me a word. She said, Lydia, be tenacious. Be tenacious to the call that God has given to you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Be tenacious. Ask God for tenacity. And I clung to those words for many, many years. Lydia, be tenacious to the call that God has given to you. Jesus called me to walk on water. He said, come but when i saw the storm and the wind the harshest and the hiccups of life i started to sink i was afraid i was gasping for air my eyes were not on jesus my eyes were on the storms of life i was only seeing the immediate And in the midst of my desperation to live the life that Jesus had called me to live and to walk on water, Jesus reached out his hand and catches me and pulls me out. And Jesus today is reaching out his hands to you to catch you, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Thomas was desperate. People were telling him they saw Jesus. Even his best friends were telling him that. But in stubbornness, Thomas refused to believe. He said, Unless I see, I will not believe. Then Jesus appears to Thomas. He looks Thomas into his eyes and says, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I am sure, in deep relief, Thomas cries out, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. Jesus continues to say, because you have seen me, you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed that's you and me we have not seen but yet we believe that is faith and in faith don't quit In our most difficult times, stick around. Eugene Peterson, a pastor, he says, the resurrection of Jesus establishes the entire Christian faith in the action of God by the Holy Spirit. The Christian life begins as a community that is gathered at the place of impossibility, the tomb. I know that many of us, many of you here are knocking on the door of the tomb. You're knocking. You're in a place of impossibility. You might say, I am so lonely. I have been lonely for many years. I thought this job, this promotion was for me. I am tired of my financial instability. I have no friends at school. I, I live in fear and anxiety. I'm scared for college for my future. I am never enough for my parents. I can't seem to forgive my spouse. I'm retired. And I'm searching, I'm searching for my next, next call. I can't seem to figure out my relationships with my adult children. I feel hopeless. I have no more dreams. I'd rather die. if you are in that place of impossibility, I want you to know that is the place where the resurrection happened. That is the place where the resurrection happened. For us who have seen our hopes and dreams destroyed, there is nothing to fear. Jesus has already overcome death and darkness. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in the love of God. Because God's perfect love drives out fear, God's perfect love casts out fear. And now before Jesus is taken up to heaven, he tells the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Jesus is also calling you to go to all the world. You might say, Lydia, are you telling me to go to a country in Africa or Asia? Yes, if God tells you to, then yes. But all the world also includes where you are in greater Seattle. Pastors are not the only full-time ministers. Me and Anna, Raul and Scott and Michelle, Jordan, Nathan and Lauren, we are not the only ministers. You are. In Acts 2:17, "With the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the whole church is the ministerium serving God through Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are all appointed by God, and we are to all share the power and the blessing of the Spirit. We all give ministry, and we all receive ministry you are full-time minister at where you are ministry happens in the normal context of life at your workplace in your neighborhood in the schools in the classroom in the soccer field in the basketball court with your friends we are not the only ones that needs to hear the gospel of jesus christ every sunday your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, they also need to hear the gospel of Jesus. And I'm going to ask the band to come up as I share this one last story. Last Sunday, our family invited my son's friend's, um, my, my son's friend's family to church. We have been praying for this um, family for, for more than five years. And with COVID, it took extra few more years for us to invite them to church. We love this family, beautiful family. And we wanted them to experience the love of Jesus, the joy, the peace, and the grace to know our good, good God. They have never been to church. They didn't know why we Christians celebrate Easter, Christmas. We can't assume that people know what Christmas and Easter is anymore. We invited, and the first time in their lives, they heard the name of Jesus. A seed was sown that day. And last week, I know that many of you invited your friends and family, co workers to Easter service. And I got to meet some of your friends and family that haven't been to church in a long, long time, even pre COVID. And more seeds were sown on Easter. Friends, let us not stop sowing seeds or wait until Christmas to invite our friends back to church or to share the name Jesus with our friends. Let us continue the work that God gave us. And here at Bethany North staff and pastors, we're going to be intentional about creating a space for you to invite your friends and families. As we have a job, you also have a job too. After Jesus told the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, the disciples went on and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and Jesus is calling you also go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation so today I want to invite you to take a moment to think of one person maybe a family that you want to commit praying for, and and say, Jesus, this is the person, this is the family that I want to pray for, that one day, I might to be able to invite them to Christ. So I want you to all close your eyes. I'm going to give you a few seconds to ask God. God, who do you want me to commit praying for? Ask God and see who God puts into your heart. or friends or family maybe a co-worker your neighbor up to you today I pray God Lord that as we share lives with people that are around us that the love of Jesus Christ will overflow out of us that you will give us Lord the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that you have put in our hearts so I pray that you will prepare the hearts of the people that we are praying for that we will have the opportunity to sow a seed in your heart in their hearts for you to work in them for you have called us to go. So may we accept that call and to go into this world to the ends of all creation, which could be in another country. But Lord, it could be right here in Seattle, where we are, where we live, where we work, where we go to school, where we play sports. Lord, I know that today there are some of us that is in a place of impossibility. That some of us in a place where we're gasping for air and we are crying out, Lord, I am desperate for you and I feel like I'm sinking. God, I am sinking. I am sinking. And we come to you today as we knock on that tomb. The tomb where the impossibility, the resurrection of Jesus happened. May we cling on to that hope that we will stick around, that we will not quit. For we know that in a place of, of impossibility, that Jesus has resurrected And we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And may the love, the joy, and the peace of of the resurrection of Jesus live in us. And as we call out to you, Jesus, 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 May we fix our eyes onto you. Friends, Jesus is reaching out. He's holding your hand and he's catching you and he brings you back on water to walk with him. So may you go home in peace today knowing that Jesus is holding onto your hand tightly as a mom would hold onto a child's hand, as a father would hold onto a child's hand. You are a child of God. And Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. So wherever you are in your life, have hope, have faith, and cling on. Because in the place of impossibility, Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.